came a long way. That's what the song said. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. We came a long way. That's what the song said. And I could do all Hey, what's up? What's going on? And welcome to the Be Real Podcast, where we keep it real on social issues, history, news, faith, and everything in between. It's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content. Now, it's time to get real with your host, Brandon Mosley. You already know I'm going to tell you. Swag out. I can do all things. I can do all things. Yeah, yeah. That's what the songs say. I can do all things. Yeah, yeah. That's what the songs say. I can do all things. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, guys? It's your host, Brandon Mosley with the Be Real Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming right back here again for another episode. Um, Before we even get into anything, I just want to make sure you guys are hitting those five uh, stars on the reviews and writing reviews for me. I see people are listening. I appreciate it all across the nation and and I do also have people listening in other countries. I thank you. I thank you. But please don't uh, forget to hit the five star. And also don't forget to share. Share to people um, that you know and let them know where you're getting your podcast fixed. And uh, yeah, just appreciate you guys. But with that being said, we have an amazing episode. In this episode, we're going to have a guest. And we're going to be talking about HBCUs and that's historically black colleges and universities and their homecomings and the experience of an HBCU student. Um, I think it's, it's really um, important that we have this conversation because right now, HBCUs would be having their homecoming and, of course, other schools as well throughout the nation. Uh, but there's a different experience that I, I, I see and hear about when it comes to HBCU uh, use homecomings. Um, we've seen them in so many films that really got me going as a kid. Um, from school days to um, the different from different world, even from Stump the Yard, it's just you know, it's ama- it seems like an amazing experience that I think every African American um, can recall either being a part of or watching it on film or TV. And with today, as the climate that we see in society today, um, I think HBCUs are important. Um, and education is always the greatest equalizer of them all. So with that being said, I don't want to hold you guys too much longer. We're going to get right into the interview. Go ahead and enjoy this. Guys, we got a great guest in the studio once again. Well, the Zoom studio. Um, go ahead and let the people know who you are, sir, and um, I'll let you introduce yourself. So I'm Chris. Uh, Chris Batten uh, from Orlando, Florida. Uh, born and raised in Orlando. Um, went on to go to Howard University on a football scholarship. Uh, majored in political science and economics. And uh, went on to get my master's in educational psychology from Howard. And I also got a master's in ed leadership as well. Um, I've taught professionally for, you know, over 10 years. And uh, right now I'm kind of on a different venture, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial venture uh, in the construction field. So uh, that's, what's, that's what's going on, man. Great, great, great. Real quick, uh, fun fact. Chris is my cousin from Florida. We met when we were grown men. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like, I kind of knew Chris existed, but I didn't know he existed. I didn't know he went to Howard uh, or any of those things. Um, and I kind of found out more about Chris when I went to DC for a summer to intern on Capitol Hill, one of our older cousins that looked out for him, that looked out for me as well. Um, 
was just telling me about, about how, how how much we were alike and how cool he was. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. A few years later, uh, we both were married with families or not with kids yet, but we both were married and uh, he came out to California. So yeah, good guy, intelligent, as you guys can tell, educated. Um, so yeah, we have the, we both majored in, in um, political science. We both have master's degrees in education. So uh, very sharp guy. So I wanted to kind of talk to you, Chris, about, you know, just your experience of being um, at HBCU, because if you guys don't know it, this month is, of course, homecoming and HBCUs are known for their homecomings. Um, and I kind of want to talk to you about your experience and um, not only about homecoming, but just overall being a student at HBCU. Um, I unfortunately didn't go to HBCU, uh, didn't for some reason, to be honest with you, um, I kind of was misled in terms of what you know hbcus could do for people and um hopefully you can can uh save a soul uh today <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so with that being said brother so why did you even attend an hbcu over a pwi a predominantly white institution because you know you're in florida you got florida state out there miami you, you got a bunch of in-state options that are amazing schools so why did you say no nah, I'm, I'm 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 riding with the hbcu well, yeah. So in Florida, what's crazy about Florida is we kind of have the, we kind of have both dynamics. We have the HBCU dynamic and we have the uh, the PWI dynamic. Like both are pretty predominant, um, especially here in Central Florida, because FAMU and BCC they put they play their Florida Classic typically in Orlando, so it's typically a real big deal uh, here in Orlando. So we kind of get both both worlds a little bit. Florida State and UF are our big rivals, University of Miami. Um, so it's just great in Florida all around with PWIs and with the HBCUs as well. So um, I grew up with that HBCU experience, going to the Florida Classic, um, going to homecomings at FAMU and BCC. So I knew what both worlds entailed, you know, as a youngster. You know, as a youngster growing up, I knew what it was. So, um, you know, being an athlete in high school, you play at sports, um, you, you're looking at the bands, you're looking at their experiences. Um, so it, you really get to see both sides. You really get to see both sides. Um, now, we have a program here in Florida called Bright Futures, and Bright Futures gives you in-state tuition, you know, if you hit certain test scores and if you hit certain GPA. A uh, certain GPA over your your high school average, so um, we have the option to kind of pick where we want to go based on that experience and your grades and your test scores. Now, I in high school I had pretty good grades, so I could have chose to pretty much go anywhere. Um, my test scores were solid, um, but I was a student athlete as well. So taking that into account, I wasn't going to go to a bigger school like a PWI, Florida State or a UF, because um, I wasn't being recruited by those schools. But the FAMUs, the BCCs, the Howards were. So um, took a visit to Howard, um, went on MLK weekend. Um, it was just a, it was a fantastic experience, man. It really was. Um, just being on the yard with all the people, um, walking into the cafeteria. You got a DJ spinning. You got you got the honeys. It was just a, it was a great experience, man. I mean, it don't get no better than that. And you look at They sold you. Yeah, they sold me, bro. They got me. They got me. They sold me. So it was, it was just a real good experience, man. And, you know, um, looking back on it, I wouldn't change it for the world, man. I met my wife there. So um, it's just a lot. I have friendships that will last, last a lifetime. So, I mean, with that brighter future thing, are were they saying, like, you could get your um... – in-state cost at any school out of state pretty much was that what it was no so with bright futures you could get you could get um in-state tuition so in-state tuition would be paid for um all right so i had the choice to either i could go in-state pretty much anywhere um but being that i visited howard um they offered me a full scholarship um 
I committed and that's where I ended up going because of the reputation too. I think that was, that had a lot to do with it as well. Just the reputation of Howard and it being like the top HBCU out there in the country. So was that like your main reason for going to Howard? Just the, the reputation and everyone knows Howard and, you know, with so many great alumni coming from Howard, is that, was that like your main draw that was yeah, that was one of the big draws. It really was. Um, and also, I just I knew people who had went to Howard, um, and I knew um, they had told me that that experience was great, and that you know they wouldn't change it for the world. So um, it was that as well as the reputation. But Howard was such an illustrious school. Like when I was coming out of high school, it was like, oh, you going to Howard? Oh, that's dope. So. Um, you know, I really fell in love with it when I went. I like the thought of being in a big city like D.C. as well. Coming from a, a small city like Orlando, small market town, um, being in the big city in D.C. was just like a different experience as well, too. So D.C. and Tallahassee are two totally different entities. And, you know, if I would have went to FAMU or, or Florida State, I would have been in Tallahassee. Small city, country town. But D.C. is just a totally different vibe. So, um, I chose the big city over the the, the small town, Tallahassee. Yeah, and and the crazy thing I always call like DC the biggest small city ever, because it's not like literally the the biggest city in terms of square miles, but it's just it has everything, literally everything. And I, I remember I I fell in love with DC as I always tell you, man. And um, I was kind of like uh, dismay or put it back when I realized like. Bro, I could have been up here with my big cousin. You know what I mean? <laughs> For real. For real. <laughs> and um, I know, I mean, God knew, because me and you young rolling uh, in D.C. together probably been too much for the crowds. Oh, a problem. A problem. Yeah, the big problem. So so with that being said, man, with the MLK week when you went out there, the DJing, so I know that's not your most fond memory. So what's your most fond memory of Howard? in your undergrad years? The most fond memory would probably be graduation, man, just because it's the culmination of everything. Like, that's what I, I mean, I went there to go get a degree, um, you know, to finish school. Like, that's what I went there for. So it kind of engulfed everything and it really allowed you to kind of just sit back and put things into perspective, like, you know, of what you just accomplished. Um, and then Oprah spoke at our graduation, at our commencement. Man, it was just, it was just a dope experience, man. And graduation week is almost like a homecoming week for us. Because um, we party all the way up until graduation. Like, if you, if you make it to the yard on graduation, you did pretty good. Because a lot of cats really don't make it just because you're partying so much up to graduation. So, um, it was just such a, it was such a big accomplishment and, you know, it was a, it was a great experience, man. Just being on the yard, seeing Oprah and just realizing what you had done the past four years. Crazy thing is think about, I think at my graduation, we had the, the secretary of, uh, housing or something like that. And you had Oprah, like, <laughs> it's a bit different, man. It's a bit different. Yeah, yeah. So did, did Oprah say anything that, that you can remember that really like hit you or it was just like in all just having you know Oprah Winfrey there well I think she just spoke about like she just spoke about really like being transcendent and and doing what you're passionate about I think um that's the transition from where I guess where we used to be and where we are now like people who are thriving are just passionate about what they do as opposed to it just being oh it's about the money so she just spoke on like, hey, do what you're passionate about. Go after it. Uh, full throttle. Um, don't be worried about the naysayers and just just get after it. And I, I think that's kind of what stuck with me is just like, you know, go after what you go for. Don't don't do it because your parents told you to do it. Do it because that's really what you want to do. What the reason is and get about the business of doing it. Your calling isn't something that somebody can tell you about. It's what you feel. It is a part of your life force. It is the thing that gives you juice, the thing that you're supposed to do. And nobody can tell you what that is. You know it inside yourself. Yeah, I think that for me, that's, that's big. Because um, I know um, my, my, my parents wanted me to do certain things in terms of professionalism. 
and I, I did like, they wanted me to become an attorney. I was, everything was ready. The great, everything was good for me to become, you know, go to law school. It's just, I didn't have that passion. And I think that's really important that, that she spoke to you and spoke to that graduating class about making sure you, you go after that passion and, and you'll find the money in your passion. Real quick. What's crazy is too, like you and my mom, your mom and my mom are so much alike, bro. So much alike. And my mom really wanted me to go be an attorney too. And I was just like, I don't know if that's really what I want to do. Cause you know, I really wasn't, I really didn't want to go to another three years of school and be stuck in the books and be stuck in the law school. That just really wasn't, you know, what I wanted to do. So I, I took that alternate route too. And I just, I, w- I was enjoying being around kids and, and mentoring the youth. And I, I just kind of took that route instead, as opposed to going on the law. Yeah. And I, I think for me is it was, it was just like, I, I there's somewhere I want to be. Um, and that could be a route to get there. But at the end of the day, it was like, was that the place, I, the place I wanted to be in for X amount of time and pay whatever amount I had to per year, because that, it was going to come out of my pocket at the end of the day. And if it ain't, it is, if it's not really something you really want to do, it's what are you doing it for? And I always tell students that, that, you know, you, you live for yourself at the end of the day, you know, especially when you're young and you got to make sure if you're going to invest time and effort in anything, make sure it's something you really want to do. You know what I mean? And if it's something you really want to do, you're going to do things you really don't want to do to get there, but at least you're on your way to that destination. Uh, but, but that's a good point, man. So with that being said, man, I got to ask you, cause you talked about walking the yard and I was able to walk that yard during the summer. Wasn't that many people there when I went, but it was, <laughs> but at least I can say I was on the yard uh, with the tree trees and stuff up. And I was like, Oh, this is crazy. Um, it was like a movie, right? Um, my question to you, like, did you ever consider pledging? I did, man. I was actually uh, in the alpha Phi alpha young men of tomorrow program uh, here in Orlando. Um, and that's where like guys began to mentor me on, you know, uh, volunteering service, um, scholarship, you know, being a good steward. Um, and I, I kind of just kind of took that into college with me. I planned on pledging Alpha. Um, I had an opportunity in 2005, but, you know, I'm a sophomore and I'm trying to get on the field and start playing football. So it's kind of like, hey, do I focus on football or do I focus on pledging? My coaches aren't going to like the fact that I'm pledging, period. Um, and that's going to get me out of the you know, out of the, out of the roster, roster spot. And I'm also thinking like, Hey, I'm here for my education. And if I don't, you know, if I'm not playing football, well, then I could lose my scholarship. So I didn't, I didn't end up going in 2005, but I knew in 2006, I was going to pledge just because I would be more mature. I would have, you know, more education under my belt. I'd have a solid roster spot on the football team. So um, I had an opportunity in 06, but they ended up, Basically, so it was the 100-year anniversary of Alpha Phi Alpha in 2006. They started in 1906. Um, there, was an inc- there was an incident at University of Penn. Um, they had an, a hazing incident, and two guys got charged with, like, assault or something like that. So they had a moratorium on the whole East Coast, and they basically said no intake for 2006 because they knew it would be crazy because it was the hundred year anniversary. They knew the hazing would kind of get out of hand. So that year before we went under, it didn't happen. Um, so I had another opportunity in 2007, but I just felt like I was too mature at that point And I was kind of past it. I really wasn't on the yard like that. Cause I was off campus a lot. Um, but alpha Phi alpha would have definitely been what I pledged. Uh, I was going that route. The crazy thing is, Chris, that's how I know we we do have a lot in common because my freshman year, I was going to pledge Alpha Phi Alpha. And uh, I started working full-time at Nordstrom's and it's like, you can't pledge and work full-time and be a full-time student. It's not going to happen. So I went, at first I was going to like the study sessions, a couple um, volunteer things at the, you know, community stuff. Then it got to a point where it was like, I got to work to pay for school and I got to be in school so I can't do it. And it got to a point where like, yeah, I felt a little too old. And my roommate, uh, my second year was actually alpha. 
So I was like, this, yeah, I can't do that, man. But yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, and I know you probably me, man. I wanted to be the dude with the black and gold J's on the ones, and just <laughs> hey, I told him from the yeah, big, yeah, I told him from the get go. I, I remember a guy named Charlie. He was like one of the head alphas there, and we they had they were connected with uh, Long Beach State and Cal State because those was one chapter. And I told him like, hey, bro, to keep it a buck, I don't want to, I don't, I I do not want to stump at all. I just want to be out there with my jacket and black and gold joints. <laughs> Fresh to death. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And you know, and just help the community, right? Bro was doing hey, bro wasn't doing no hopping, no stepping, no none of that. I'm just I'm just trying to be fresh on the side. Y'all do y'all thing. That's it, bro. That's it. You you was gonna be at the Mecca though, like on the in the yard on the Mecca with the jacket on. Oh, that'd have been a problem. Hey, look, and beta beta chapter is no joke. So beta chapter is the second. So they're the second alpha chapter ever, okay? The Qs are the, the first chapter. So the Qs are the alpha chapter. So you know it's just on another level at Howard, bro. It really is. The, the pledging is on another level. So if you pledge at Howard, the AKAs are the alpha chapter. Deltas are like one of the top chapters as well. So it's it's really no joke out there, man. They take that stuff super seriously. I'm already knowing. I'm already knowing. So with that being said, um. What would you say though? Because there's a lot of talk, and this is something I I kind of fed into um, when I was deciding on colleges and stuff like that. Um, and this is what I, I kind of thought, and people told me that HBCUs don't really prepare you for like the real world because you're insulated um, in this all black world. Like, what would you say about that? I mean, honestly, I'd say it's the opposite, and I think, um, and I say that because. The people at the HBCUs, like the professors, like the personnel, like a, a lot, some of my professors were white too. Like a lot of them aren't, they aren't all black either. So you got to take that into account. I had classes with white students as well. Um, so it's not, when you go to HBCU, guys, keep in mind, it's not all black kids and it's not, you know, there's there's white people there. There's different ethnicities. There's, there's Spanish people there as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's the opposite, man. I mean, when you're going, when you're tracking down financial aid, when you're trying to get pe- get in touch with certain people, trying to track down your professors to go over scheduling and things like that, it's all a grind. It's all a hustle. And that's that's what the HBCU life is. It's really um, preparing you the most because they're really going to give you the hardest time. <laughs> if you know anything about Black people, they gonna, we're going to make you work for what, for what you want. So... Um, it was just a good experience. They prepare you. It teaches you to be versatile um, and be able to adapt to change. Because a lot of times you're thinking one thing's going to happen and it's the total opposite. Um, and that's where you got to kind of maneuver and you got to be ready. Um, and you, your decision making skills have got to be on point because a lot of times it, you can't get frustrated, but you got to you got to keep a cool head. You got to work through it. Um, there's a lot that could go on. So. I think it's the opposite, man. And they prepared me really for the real world because it's just when you get out here in the real world, it's not it's not easy. Um, and that's that's what HBCU life is, especially being a student athlete. It's totally different from being at a PWI, man. So I'd say it's the opposite. Applying to colleges was Hillman your first choice? Of course. I was accepted at Georgetown. When I turned him down, my guidance counselor threw a hissy fit. She said she couldn't understand why a girl with so much to offer like myself would would limit myself at a school like Hillman. That's what she told me. That sounds familiar. She didn't understand. My great-granddaddy was all but accepted at this certain Ivy League school until he showed up for the interview. He went to Hillman, and he went on to become the first black circuit judge of Madison County, Virginia. He always told me, I'm seven years old. Baby, you can go to school any place, but no school would love you and teach you to love yourself and know yourself like human. So I would ask you with that, like, did you feel like the HBCU was like a big family unit that like was like that tribe that like allowed you to be who you were? Then it like warned you that continue to be who you are, but understand that the world may not 
completely accepted? Because I've heard that from a lot of people too. Is that your same experience or, or what do you think about that? When you look at it, so I think it's a, it's a tribe aspect, especially with the students. I think the student body is like the tribe. And then the professors and the, the teachers, they're like the ones who are going to kind of guide you in the right direction and make things difficult on you. Like they're the ones that test you and, and, and kind of uh, get the drive out of you. So I feel like um, as the students, we come together and then we try to do our best to, you know, please our professors, do well in class, test well. Um, and that's how we just go about maneuvering through. And a lot of times the financial stuff is, is another thing you got to deal with. Um, just kind of making sure that you're on point with your financials, the student loans, all of that. It's like a whole nother aspect. So um, it really does prepare you and it gets you ready. Um, and it really, it really is a family atmosphere when you're, when you're in your dorms and you got your RAs and your deans and things like that. That's the family atmosphere. But when you get into them classrooms, it's doggy dog. It's like, hey, you gotta, we got to go now because, you know, every man for himself, we got to get it. Yeah. And I, I would say, like, for, for me, I went to uh, Cal State Dominican Hills. And when I went my first couple of years, we used to joke and say it was the HBCU of the West Coast. So there was so many black kids there because um, it's the middle of, you know, L.A. right next to – literally, it's in Carson right next to Compton. Um, so that's – it slowly changed a whole lot to that no longer being the case because of what, what was going on with the CSU system. But um, I can only imagine what it would be like because my – you know, in the dorms, how it was for us with the RAs, we were cool and stuff like that. I can only imagine if every majority of people there, you know, were like you. But we're, of course, all black people aren't, aren't monolithic. But we, but at least the the great thing is that we we have a, a, a set standard of we all go through X Y Z, no matter where you come from or um, what you believe, what creed may be. Um, I, I I would like to ask you too, like with that. Um, you guys are super politically active. College students are politically active, period, but HBCUs take it to a different level. Um, and and with, with that being said, many people today feel like the climate that we've had, like in terms of, you know, there's opportunities for, for African-American students to now go to PWIs and things of that nature because HBCUs were created out of necessity, you know, because we weren't, of course, being allowed into the other schools. Um, so some people make that argument that HBCUs are like a thing of a past. They're not needed. So we see like HBCUs, some of them have closed down in the, in the last like 10, 15 years. Um, and some people are just feeling like, wow, we don't need those schools anymore. What, what would you say to that person? I would say we do need them, man. It's just the HBCUs are, um, first of all, it's a, it's a big part of black culture in general. When you look at entertainment, when you look at music, um, the HBCUs have, have a ton of influence. Um, and also, it's just a different experience that certain individuals need. Um, for, it's, it's a special experience for special people, man. And for someone who hasn't seen, like, the Black intellectual experience, um, it's a fantastic way to see how Black people interact and how they thrive in an environment um, at a young age. You know, for, you know, from 18 to 22, okay? So it's a great way to see Black kids just thriving, like getting after it, being the, being the top of the, the creme de la creme. Because, I mean, at my high school, I saw maybe, it was maybe like 40 or 50 Black kids that was really doing something. Like that was really pushing, that was really trying to get after it, getting good grades, getting good test scores. You go to Howard, you, you got 12,000 students on the same wavelength, doing the same thing from all different aspects of life, all different experiences, coming together to, you know, accomplish the same goal, graduate. So it's a, it's a, it's a necessity. It's a necessity in today's society. It really is. And I don't see it going away anytime soon. I think that's powerful to think about because it seems like, at PWIs, if you look at like a USC or UCLA, I mean, African-Americans, especially African-American males are less than like 2% of the population by far. And yeah. And, and, and you, you see how big USC is. USC is what? 50,000 students, something crazy like that. So 
that's a small amount. Very small percentage. And keep in mind that 2%, probably 1% of that is all student athletes, the football team, the basketball team. And they're not even getting the same experience as the other students. So you got to think, you go to these PWIs like, let's say, Florida State or University of Florida, all the black kids know each other. All of them. They've all, they all interact with each other. Like at Howard, there were a ton of kids I had no idea who they were. I, w- I would just meet them in class. Like, and some of the, some of the kids, I, I didn't even know anybody who knew them type deal. So it's, it's just a different experience, man. It really is. It's a lot more, it's a lot more black students um, getting after it at these, at these HBCUs. And I, I would say like the crazy thing is I remember when my, I had a real close friend who went to UCSD and I would go out there my freshman year and bump into like the one or two black students there and their eyes would light up and like, right, oh, you go here? I said, no, nah. <laughs> no, nah, bro, I'm just missing. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that is like, you know what I mean? That's insane. And because I, I, I'm, I'm coming from a point of view where uh, CSU, CSU DH has been, was, was named on the West Coast for decades in a row, the most diverse university on the West Coast. So for me, it was like we had a lot of African-Americans, a lot of Latinx, um, and that was our main population. So for me, it was just like, oh, that's weird. And it, Carson is a black community. So, so for, for me, I didn't like, I didn't understand that until like, you know, I went to like, you know, to get my master's and I'm at Redlands and I'm literally the only black person, you know, and oh, I had one other black guy, um, you know, in, in some of the classes. So it's like, you know, that, that's crazy in a small cohort, but you start looking around with other cohorts coming in, it's like, it's the same thing. Um, and when you walk around the campus. Yeah, man. Like when I went from my master's in ed leadership, which was like, you know, maybe four or five years ago, um, man, it's like, it's, it's only two of us in the class. And, you know, it's a, it's a class of like, you know, 60 people. So it's, it's different, man. And I think um, that's where the HBCU experience is super, super dope is just because you're able to connect with so many more people. Um, and it may not even be people that you're used to connecting with. Like these may be, there's, we have, there's black nerds. There's, you know, there's black athletes, there's black, you know, fine arts people who are into music and dance. I mean, you got the whole realm, which is just, it does, it's a super crazy experience. I think it was crazy is that like, you know, at every other school, African-Americans have to tr- create a space at an HBCU. That is the place. You know what I mean? That's that, that that's the space that you're looking for. It's at it's there. Um, yeah. And then there's sm- then there's spaces for you to be whatever form of black that you want to be, because like we said, it's not monolithic. That's powerful, man. And, and, and you said something important, like you can be yourself like you don't have to. You don't have to be who they want you to be. Um, you don't have to hang around the athletes. You don't, You can be yourself. Like, you truly be yourself. Like, my brother um, went to Howard as well. Grew up an athlete. When he got to Howard, he could just be himself. He's not an athlete anymore. He's just a student who's studying, who's grinding. I rarely saw my brother. He was always in the library studying. I didn't know who he was because I don't remember. That wasn't him in high school. That wasn't him. He could come to Howard and really just truly be himself and um, and transform himself and be somebody who he really wanted to be as opposed to who people knew knew of him as, you know, in high school. You know, so it was it was a dope experience. Good to see for real. So it seems like the fear of simulation is gone. You don't have to worry about to about simulating in, in the the majority. Um, you could just you are that majority. That's that's powerful. Um, with that being said, you know, as you as you probably notice, um, with with such a political uprising and people are looking for a fair distribution of power and wealth. One of the big you know you said something about athletes. One of the most powerful uh, groups on campus is you know D one athletes, like major athletes. And my question to you: Do you think these big time names, like from football, basketball, and track, whatever, whatever those those names may be, do you think they should should start finding themselves at HBCUs? Yeah, man, no doubt. Um, and that's and that'll that'll shift, and that'll shift the culture. It really will. 
Um, and I was I was talking about this with a group of my, my friends. Just imagine if you know these athletes started coming to these big universities and the money would start. It would start flowing in. And being a being a student athlete at an HBCU is tough. It is not like PWIs where you got a tutor and you got um, you got practice all day and you got the tutors going to help you out with your homework. It's not that man. We gotta we gotta get up. We gotta go to class in the morning. We got to be the class. We got 7.30 a.m. classes. We got to actually get up and walk to class. Like, there's no tutors and stuff like that. Um, and the facilities aren't the best either. Like, you're going to deal with, you know, bad facilities. The weight rooms aren't going to be as bad. Uh, where you go to get treatment is not going to be the best. But as you see these athletes, these top athletes shift and make a move towards going to HBCUs, the money will follow. I mean, that's all it's going to take. Uh, we just had Maker Maker um, commit to Howard University as a uh, Division One basketball player. I mean, he is a he's a top notch top notch athlete. Um, so you better believe once they start winning some games and they start pulling in some other recruits, there's going to be some money flowing in from Nike, Adidas, and other you know other big brands trying to put money into the program because they know. That's where it's going to lead to. That's 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 where the attention is going to be. So, I encourage any top athletes um, to take that step, man. Be the trailblazer that you know that the culture needs right now. Um, because these PWIs, they really don't care. They really don't care about student athletes, man. They, I mean, it's 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 a business for them. It's a business. It really is. So. Um, you got to keep that in mind when you're making that decision you do. And the crazy thing, if you think about, especially when we're talking about basketball, a lot of these cats are one and done and they could go anywhere and look at ball. He went overseas. I mean, did and didn't even get to finish the season because of first injury, then COVID-19. And he's going to be probably the top three pick. So, first, yeah, like yeah. So to think about that, you could really go anywhere. And imagine if like, you know, those kids are going to do Kentucky uh, and Louisville, all these places just decide and say, you know what? I'm going to go to Howard, right? I'm, I'm going, you know, um, that would be a, a big difference, you know? And, and, I, and I think the big difference is with technology too today. Like, I mean, with social media and all these media outlets, people are going to see you no matter where you go people will see you. That hasn't always been the case. So um, now there's more opportunities for these guys to go to these small schools. Go to a small school and still go straight to the league. I mean, it's going to happen because you're a top-notch athlete. Um, So you can't shy away from, you know, taking that step and going to HBCU because it's – you can't use the excuse of I can't make it to the league from there. There's no, there's no excuse, bro. You're going to get seen anywhere you go. So that's the dope thing. If Jerry Rice can make it out, T.O. can make it out, McNabb. I mean, and there was, and these Hall of Famers, so definitely. Um, so with that being said, there's, like I said before, there's some HBCUs that have closed in the last like 10, 15 years. Um, they're, they've been they've been in the news, you know. You 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 have Donald Trump claiming he helped HBCUs out um, to a certain extent, and and so many people are are are, are saying, you know, we want to keep HBCUs alive and and keep them going. What what do you think? How can how can people help HBCUs um, and and their students by supporting, man? By supporting, you gotta you gotta support your local HBCUs. Like growing up. Um, I loved going to Bethune-Cookman College and I loved going to Florida A&M's campus to go to a game or to um, to go to an event there. That was just something that was that was fun for me, man. So just being able to support. Um, my parents were very big on supporting HBCUs. Uh, my pops went to Shaw University, uh, which is in North Carolina, which is uh, one of the older HBCUs as well. Um, so just support, man, any way you can. Uplifting, um, good things happen at HBCUs, repost it on your timeline, give them that, give them that support they need, man. But they they need your support. They really do. 
Um, the money isn't enough. They need to be seen. They need to be visible. They need to see it. They need to hear about good stories of students coming from HBCUs. They need all of that. And so I, I would say also like, um, cause I'm on the West coast. My whole thing is for, for like, I'm, I'm an average teacher. My whole thing is letting my students know about HBCUs and the uh, cousin we we're talking about his, his wife actually sent me a, she spent, she sent me a few times a couple different pennants of HBCU colleges. One of them were Howard, and uh, just when, when I put them up, like oh oh, I want to hear about that, right? And I think that's really that's 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 really important. And parents, you know, give you allow your kids, you know, to learn more about these HBCUs and and kind of push it if you can, you know, to 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 find themselves at the HBCU. I had a few kids last year; they're going to Clark and Atlanta and stuff like that, um, Grambling. So. Um, I think I think is it's amazing um, to say the least. So I just want to ask you before we get into the homecoming stuff because I, I want to hear your homecoming story stories. Um, is <laughs> I want to know I want to know this. Um, what would you say is the most like significant challenge about attending HBCU? Because I know um, I know a lot of times. Um, there are challenges. There's things that you see on the news and stuff like that. Like being inside there, like what was the most challenging part? I think the most challenging part was just the balance of it all. Um, and that's, um, that's a, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, when I say balance, I mean, there, there's a lot of freedom when you get to college. Um, ton of freedom. But being able to manage it all, being able to manage the, the football, the workload, the social aspects, um, hanging with friends, like that could be difficult, um, especially if you haven't, you know, created good habits while you're in high school. And as a teacher, I always, I would always have these conversations with my students because it's important to create good habits early. Um, Cause if you don't do create good habits like studying and things like that, you're going to have a hard time. You get to college just because there's so much freedom. Um, and typically when kids get the opportunity to get a little freedom um, and they've been in the house a lot with their parents, they tend to make bad decisions and not, not use that time um, to kind of get ahead. So I always encourage my students to create good study habits and time management skills, just because it really does set the tone for your college experience, man. So balancing it all, um, the whole experience, it was probably the most the most difficult thing for sure. And I think that's challenging for all college students. But I would say being in D.C. and like I said, interning for that summer and being young, going to Adams Morgan, um, U Street, uh, you it's just it's, it's, it's man, and it's just like. Thinking about that little McDonald's on the corner over there in by Howard, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just it's, it's really it's really just it's big city, so it's big city fun, and then you got to also keep in mind, hey, I'm in school because you could get lost really quick. You feel like, yo, I'm not really in school. I'm just kind of doing my thing. But you gotta. A lot of cats didn't make it through Howard. Like they would sit you down in your freshman orientation and be like, yo, look next to you, look to your right, look to your left. Probably ain't going to make it. So somebody's not going to be here. <laughs> like, it's only going to be one of y'all here. <laughs> you see it here. I think that's that's real because, I mean, they did the same thing with, with us, but I think it's even more so when you're when you when you that far away from home because most people are going to house, you know, thousands of miles away from home. Yeah, typically because it's not a lot of it's not a lot of DC, Virginia, Maryland people at Howard. Period. Like a lot of people are from Chicago, Houston, Texas, California, Florida, Georgia, um, New York. So, I mean, even if you five or six hours away, you still you're away. Like you, yeah, you can't just go home. Yeah. It's not that easy. I mean, I was I was in Florida. I was a long ways away. So it ain't like I can hop on a plane and just go home. It was difficult. It was a transition for real. And the crazy thing is, I, I will say like um, that distance would either make you or break you. And, and, and about the little McDonald's, I just want to say um, that was the first McDonald's I went to that had, you know how you have the ketchup pump? They had the barbecue sauce pump. They had the sweet and sour pump. And I was just like in heaven, man. I'm, I'm, I was like, wait, wait. I asked for like, you know, the special certain sauces and they just pointed. It was yeah, like yeah, yeah. the cups and stuff. I, I said, wait, 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 wait. 
all the sauces are out there. I said, oh, I'll stop it, right? Stop it. <laughs> oh, they got, hey, they got tired of they got tired of us going up there and asking them for the sauces. They was like, yo, you about to put a pump out there for these kids, man. <laughs> yeah, that that's that was straight love. And I and I was like, you know what, man? You, y'all really love the people, right? <laughs> like now, I feel like that's that's really like how DC is to in, in my estimate, just the um, you know, the few months I stayed there and the, you know times I came back, it's, it's always feel like, you know, it, it feels like people really look out for one another, like, like real talk. And, um, it really is love, man. Even, even when you go back on campus, it's, it's still, even it's love. Even if you're not, even if you don't go to Howard and you go on campus, it's always, always love, always a good atmosphere, always a positive place, man. Really is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, and with homecoming, I know me and you talked about like me going with you one of these homecomings, and and uh, I, I was hoping it was going to be possibly this year or something like that. Yeah, we're doing it, man. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and hope this thing is all done and out because I want to be I want to be out there with you. Um, and uh, I know my my uh, my wife and my family want they wanted my wife especially she's never been to DC, and I I'm like I got you gotta go to DC, you gotta go to DC, and uh, she want want to meet the family out there too. And uh, cause she, I always talk so highly about our big cousin. Um, looked out for me like nobody business yeah. when I was out shout there. Out, shout out and, to big cousin, man, for real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want his name on here, so I don't, I don't do him like yeah, that. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, big, <laughs> you know, big cousin. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he he really, I know he looked out for you, major too. And uh, like seriously, I just want to stop here for just one second and just just big up that because every single Sunday he'll pick me up, take me to the church and take me to breakfast. Um, ask me if I needed anything. You sure? Um, let me know. Like, you know, and um, every time I went out there to DC, either him or one of our other cousins, cause all the big cousins out there is super cool. They, they'll take me out to take care of me. And, uh, and I remember when I was out there, when I wasn't all the way right, you know, it wasn't where I needed to be with the Lord. I was, uh, I was hanging out all night, all night, one Saturday night. And he called me. He was like, "Hey, man, I'm downstairs because I was at an apart. I was staying at apartments, so I'm downstairs. You, you, you ready?" I was like, "Man, <laughs> I just laid down like 45 minutes ago." But I was like, "You know, big cousin here, so I can't let big cousin down." So I got dressed real quick, put the suit on, got the Bible. He's like, "You all right, man? You, you know, you look yeah, like you want to skip breakfast." <laughs> yeah, I said, "Yeah, we might need to skip breakfast today." <laughs> But he looked out for me, man. He's so solid, man. But um, with the homecoming, talking about homecoming, like, um, what is it like, man? Because like we see the movie like Stump the Yard and 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 other other shows and movies, and just like, man, school days, man, and you yeah, just it's like yeah. it's like man, it's like a movie. Then you hear about all these great people. Who, like, I mean, Diddy went to your school. You feel me? So it's like, like you, it's Howard. It's HU. So t- tell me. Homecoming is so turnt, bro. It's it's just, it's the culmination of everything. People coming back from, from graduating in 1960, bro. Just come back and just to feel the vibe on the yard. The energy is crazy. Um, as a football player, you don't get the, the, the full experience because you're so you're so focused on the game. The coaches are like, yo, y'all can't party. Y'all can't really hang out. If y'all lose this game, y'all going to be get clowned. So the first priority is football. But as a, when you go back and you just realize what's going on, it's just, it's a beautiful thing, man. But I don't know if you can imagine partying every night for a full week and just, you're partying with some of the biggest entertainers in the industry. Like Diddy throws a party like, Every couple of days, you got Drake, Kanye, Young Jeezy, Rick Ross, everybody, entertainers, actors, actresses, athletes. It's just, it's crazy, bro. You got a gospel event, a comedy show. You got the step show. You got the tailgate, the game, the yard fest. Bro, crazy, crazy. And that's why you got to come with me. So you can experience that, man. And it's it's really one of the black experiences that I feel like every black person should be able to, you know, experience. And even white. 
you want to go, it's it's gonna be love. It's gonna be love every time. Is it like uh, going to Mecca? <laughs> it's like coming back. That travel you have to every every every. It's like the Hajj, man. It's it's really like going back home, bro. Like it's a it's a spiritual experience. It really is, man. And it's it's nothing but love. It's it's a great time. I think that's important for us to all see, especially like you got to say, like on the West Coast, man. We don't have that. You get what I'm saying? It's like we don't have that place where it's like that homecoming where it's going to be nothing or, or a place where it's going to be just peace, love, and just number African-Americans really getting together um, on a, at least on a yearly thing. And it's not all family. It's just strangers just showing love. And, and like you said, the intellect of people, all these people who actually who are, and, and what I always tell people, like to me, DC is one of the smartest cities. When I say smart, it's like everyone is engaged in what's going on politically, socially, Everyone had, reads the newspaper. You know what I mean? It's like you you go on the train, you young cats, you know, reading. And 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 our I've always been that person, but it was crazy for me to see like, wow, like everyone. You know what I mean? It's 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 common. And if you're not doing it, it's like you're the you're the odd dude out in in, in essence. Um, and it's almost like that W. E. B. Du Bois, that talented tenth. You know what I mean? And it seems like that whole tenth that just like find themselves there. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's crazy. I think it's a, it's like you said, it's almost like a spiritual thing. I can only imagine because I think it's really beautiful um, to think about. And I think as African-Americans, we need to see that because there's so much negativity on, you know, the TV screen about us, um, movies, even in music. And it gets to a point where people really don't think that, you know, we do value education and we do value each other. Um, and, and we can do both at the same time. You know what I mean? We do want to have fun too. We do want to get fly. So we want to do all these things and we can. And it's a part of our culture. You know what I mean? HBCUs is a part of our culture. I think it's really important. Yeah, you're right. And that's that's really Howard in a nutshell, man. You got the black intellectuals who are who are fly, who are who are smart, you know, who are engaged politically. It's just it's a culmination of everything. Um, you got PG County there. PG County is the richest black community and black county in the world. So, I mean, you got a lot there in DC. You know, DC and that DMV area, Virginia, Maryland, Washington, DC, you just got a ton of black intellectuals doing great things, um, engaged, and just really pushing toward and striving towards greatness, man. You really do. And the crazy thing is like, you know, I've, I've been, you know, like I said, I went to Carson and my, my family's from Compton. So I, I've been all through, you know, what people call the hood in L.A. Um, Southeast, it, even though it's the hood, I still felt like like the people were still showing love out, even out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And them dudes are still super smart, too. Like, yeah. A lot of them dudes are politically engaged. Like a lot of them dudes could have some real thorough conversations with you even though they're living in the hood of, you know, Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, one of my teammates, uh, he was a running back from Southeast D.C. Um, and I would always go back and just kind of hang with him where he was from. But it was always love and it was always smart dudes. You know, they were still on the corners hustling and stuff, but they were still engaged. They knew what was going on. They could have political conversations. They could talk to you about social situations and economics and and the economy at the time. Like these still them dudes are still smart. So even though um you may see see some perspective, I mean people see this perspective on TV and entertainment. And I think like Trump's got everybody kind of brainwashed that, you know, all black people are bad and we're all dumb. But that's really not the case, man. And um we've had we have a history of being just smart from the beginning. So um, you really just got to take that into account, man, and, and just kind of um, get to know people for who they are as opposed to what you see on TV and, you know, things like that. Cause... Yeah, it's crazy. I, and I would, I would want to say, man, for, for one of the last things I want to ask you is what, what, what was like, when you think back on homecoming, like what was your favorite, favorite part about homecoming and, and any memories that come might might come to come to your mind might flood your mind right now. Like, what was the best part? What 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 was one thing you think about when you think about homecoming? That's that's what 
That's homecoming for me. Homecoming is for the best. The best experience for homecoming. The week of homecoming is always for me. Yard fest. Um, yard fest takes place Friday before the homecoming football game, um, and yard fest is where people come out. Um, you have artists who are on stage performing. So it's like a big concert almost, but it's also like a big, you know, a big party for people who are just coming back to see their friends and their classmates and engage with others um, and just show love and, you know, get hugs from one another and, you know, talk about the old times. I think Yard Fest is just the, the great experience because it's, it's a daytime experience too. So it's not like you're in a club atmosphere. Um you're out there, you can talk to your friends, you can have conversations without it being too loud. And then you still got artists in the background. Like uh, the last time I went to homecoming, Drake performed. And just guys, go, go, go on YouTube, look up Drake Yard Fest and, and tell me, tell me what you think about it. Cause the, the whole experience was just, just bananas, man. It's crazy. You got a ton of people out there. Um, ton of smart people man just having a good time man there, there will be no beef no fights no nothing no none of that just because it's all love and everybody's just out there to have a good time and that's big man because a lot of times we're, we're, we're told that we can't get get together to do anything without something bad or negative happening and that's that's major um any like final parting words uh that you would like to say um either about your experience or just words of wisdom um feel free sir yeah man i mean just just look into the hbcu experience even if you're not you know even if you're not gonna attend to hbcu or um you're past that and you know just just teach the younger generation about it and just educate them as to what it is and what that experience is like go do some research on it um some of the best professors come from Howard University and HBCUs. Go look up Dr. Carr from Howard University, man. Just a real intellectual dude, smart, well-versed on different things. These guys are can just teach you a lot about life and just everything in general, man. So just really dig deep into the experience. Tell a young kid about it. Encourage someone to go to an HBCU. Encourage someone to do some research on it. Um, it's just a, it's a great experience. And, um, I just, I, I really do miss it, man. It's such a, such a fantastic thing, man. Looking back on it, man, I, I would definitely in my show notes, put some Dr. Carr stuff in there for you guys to find. Um, and also links to some HBCUs, um, especially to Howard. Um, so man, Chris, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, man, we got to get, get back to DC together and, uh, have some fun and and, and go to the uh, the African American Museum definitely. So uh, yeah, with that, thank you for being a part of the show. Another be inspired moment, and I want to use for a quote from Denzel Washington: "Never confuse movement with progress, because you can run in place and not get anywhere. You have to ensure that every move that you make, everything that you do, is purposeful." A lot of times we're just running and doing things without even being conscious of what we're doing or if it has a goal behind it or tied to it. So make sure whatever you're doing in life that it has an outcome, that you have a goal, that your dreams are tied to a goal and that your goal you're shooting for each and every day. So move in purpose and move towards success. For my final thought, I want to read off a few stats for you. HBCUs are responsible for 75% of black PhDs, 46% of black business executives, 50% of black engineers, 80% of black federal judges, 85% of black doctors, 50% of black attorneys, 75% of black military officers, 40% of black dentists, 50% of black pharmacists, and 75% of black veterinarians. It is safe to say that HBCUs are not only vital in the success for African Americans, but vital for the success of America. That we want to see equality, if we want to see true change, it takes education. 
and HBCUs are doing that. With that being said, there's no bad days, only bad moments. You decide. Be blessed.